Awesome. Hey, if you have your Bibles, join me in the book of Daniel. We'll be in Daniel chapter 2. We're continuing our series on the book of Daniel. We're calling it 10X because it says that Daniel and his fellow Hebrews were found to be 10 times greater than all of their peers. And we just want to, to emulate them in, in, a godless, in a growing godless culture that we're using as a metaphor here in the Old Testament. Babylon represents that. We can be people of a different spirit, people of a, of a different character. And I hope what was true about them can be true about each, each one of us. My name is Ricky Spindler. I'm, I'm the pastor, one of the lead pastors here at Stone Creek. And I just want to, if I could today, set this sermon up by just talking to you about a word. We're going to start with a word, and we're going to get a whole sermon from one word in the Bible. And it's probably the word in the Bible that's most often used to describe what we just did in this, uh, what we call praise and what we call worship. And this word is yada. And it is a Hebrew word, and and that word means this, to extend the hands in the giving of thanks. To extend the hands in in the giving of thanks. The the, the, the two root words there are yad, Y-A-D, you can leave that up, and that means an open hand, and the A-H refers to Jehovah the Lord, and put it together, and it means this, it means to have open hands to the Lord, to have an open-handed posture uh, uh, to the Lord. The opposite of this word is the wringing of the hands and worry, where you kind of do this and worry, and the opposite of that would be to bemoan, if you're you're looking for the opposite. So it's, it's really a word that's describing what do we do with the hands. Now, just to be clear, I'm not talking about Yoda in the Bible. Because every time I hear this, did anybody else think of that? Every time I hear it, that's what I think. I think of Yoda. Mm, strong you are, whatever, okay. Not talking about that. Although we probably could get some sermons from that. But um, I'm talking about yada, the word yada. And when you, when you think about this, really what it's saying is that the hands can be an extension of the inner reality of the heart. If there's anger and aggression in the heart, then it will manifest itself often in the hands. We will grab someone, we'll punch someone, and the hands become an expression of the inner reality of the heart. It's the same way with generosity. If I move to give you something, I usually do that with my hands. So the hands become an expression of the inner reality of generosity. Well, the hands in Scripture, really can become an expression of the inner reality of our affection and our surrender and our humility towards the Lord. Uh, uh, One uh, tertiary definition of this is a a phrase you could say, pick me up, I'm all yours. And, uh, you know, think about a child extending the hands. And I'm a complete surrender into your hands. And we have a bedtime uh, routine that it kind of, sprinkles itself throughout the year and uh, this was especially true 
when we had our foster kids, we've had two sets of foster kids, five altogether, so seven kids when you count our biological kids. We just had them all to the house for a little celebration. And man, I thought my house was clean, and then it was destroyed, and it's taken a week to clean it up again. But uh, often, there's a bedtime routine that we call airplane. An airplane is where they will stand on the end of a couch, they will spread their, their hands like an airplane and fall backwards. And I have to catch them, and then I fly them around the house doing dips and making airplane noises and gently launch them into their bed. And this is repeated. Now, I will say, once we get up to all seven of those kids, i got to keep working out for this thing, you know? But when I think of yada, I often think of that, this pick-me-up-I'm-all-yours, hands-extended and, and complete trust that somehow God is going to take care of me, yada. I'll tell you why this um, really became impressed upon my heart and mind. Because it appears in the scriptures in a lot of different ways, but primarily for three reasons. And one of them, as we were reading through the book of Daniel, this is the one that spoke to me, really jumped out to me, and it's Daniel chapter 2. Now, if you remember the scenario, is that Nebuchadnezzar had his first dream, and he refused to tell uh, the, the, the wise people that were in his kingdom, and he says, if you guys can't tell me the dream, I'm going to kill all of you, uh, because you guys are fake and you're inauthentic, you're not real, and so... Yeah, the, issue, the decree's been issued, and Daniel prays and fasts, and God shows him the dream and gives him the interpretation of the dream. So this is afterwards, and listen to what he says in Daniel 2, 23. He says, To thee, O God of my fathers, I give thanks. And, and, and I wrote in there, that word there is yada, I give thanks. I, I lift my hands to you in thanks and praise. For thou hast given me wisdom and power. Even now thou hast made known to me what, was, what we requested of thee. For thou hast made known to us the king's matter. I just love that. You can leave that up on the screen. One of the most often times when the word yada appears in scripture, it's in response to the wisdom that God has given a person or given to a group of people on what to do and how to handle the situation. In Daniel's case, God had given him wisdom on how to handle a, a deeply dangerous intersection that was a matter of life and death. And in his response to that, he lifts his hands and says, I yada you, I give you thanks. I just wonder, Anybody in here, just by the show of raising your hands, has ever had God give you some wisdom that helped you navigate some things in life? Come on, let's raise them hands up. Let's yada the moment here. I got a few. I got some people waving at me. All right. That's good. Some of you married that wisdom. Come on, somebody. There you go. I was reading an article about dangerous intersections. And according to State Farm, one of the most dangerous intersections in the entire United States is found in, in Pembroke, Florida, just north of Miami. It is an intersection of Flamingo Road and Pines Boulevard. On three of the four corners are three major malls that are continually emptying out into that intersection. They say on average that 90,000 people per day, cars, go through that intersection. 
they say that on average, just about a little bit over 300 car accidents happen every two years. That means a car accident is happening just about one out of, once every two days. So they say that on average over a million dollars worth of property damage per year is done at that intersection. And that's a whole lot of damage. When I read that, I just thought about how we handle the intersections of life really matter. And they can become really dangerous if we don't handle them well. When I was thinking about this in regards to wisdom, Proverbs 8, 1 and 2, it says this. Does not wisdom call out to you from a high place where, where the paths meet? Does not wisdom call out to you from a high place where the paths meet? And then it says that she cries aloud. When I, when I thought about that, first of all, uh, ladies, this will help you out. Uh, always in the scriptures, wisdom is personified in a woman. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. In fact, a lot of theologians uh, call it lady wisdom. And I just love this. It says that wisdom calls out to you from a high place. And it says it calls aloud. So in other words, wisdom isn't hard to find. It's in a prominent place. It's in a visible place. When, when we get into the intersections of life, here's what you need to know. Wisdom will always be accessible. It's in a prominent place for you to see. And also, it's speaking loudly to you. You know, I've just noticed this, that God, and I would say God's wisdom, uh, God doesn't have a speaking problem. He's often speaking and speaking loudly to us. But how many know, I've been there myself, when it comes sometimes to these intersections, I'm a, I'm a, I, sometimes I just don't hear so good. Have you ever been there? And I just think when, uh, and I'll say this, when it comes to the moral intersection, intersections of life, when there are moral decisions to be made or moral, dilemma, moral dilemmas to be solved, I just want you to know that God has already spoken to that matter. And that if you disagree with it, and your friends disagree with it, if I disagree with that wisdom, and all of the world disagrees with that wisdom, do you know that God's word is right and we're all wrong? Yeah. And so I would just say to you, number one, that wisdom can be found, but it says if we pray, God will give wisdom without limit to anyone who wants wisdom. It's speaking to you. It can be found. And I'm just so grateful in the intersections of life when I need wisdom, what to do, I can thank God that he's given it to me. Amen? How many just thank God for his wisdom that he gives to you? Come on, let's put our hands together and thank God for his wisdom. Yeah. It's a, it's a yada moment. To thank him for that. You know, the second reason in the scriptures that it most often appears is in regards not to wisdom, but to provision. When God miraculously provides his provision. You see this in Genesis 29. This is where it appears first in the scripture. It says this word, and she conceived. This is Leah, the wife of Jacob. It says, and she conceived again and bore a son and said, this time I will praise. I will lift hands to the Lord and give him thanks. I will praise the Lord. 
It says, therefore, she named him Judah, which means praise, and then she stopped bearing children. There are 12 children that are born to Jacob that become the 12 tribes of Israel, and, and, and Jesus' family is traced from the line of this child here, Judah. He's often called the Lion of Judah, the Lion of Praise. And when I think about just this, this, this thought is, and that, that this time, this time I will praise the Lord. I will lift hands and give him thanks because he has provided for me something that I could not provide for myself. I wonder, showing of hands, I'm, this is going to be the hands-on sermon right here. How many of you have had something like that happen? Where you didn't know where it was going to come from, you didn't know how it was going to be able to come through, but somehow, some way, God provided something for you. Come on, yada the Lord right here. Put your hands up. I've been there. Yeah, come on, that's good. Uh, Jeremiah 33, 11, this is Jeremiah's prophecy who foretold Babylon's coming, so contemporary a little bit before Daniel, and he says this at the end of Jeremiah. This is what he says. He said, give thanks, yada, lift your hands to the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting, and of those who bring a thank offering into the house of the Lord, for I will restore the fortunes of the land as they were at first, says the Lord. Jeremiah is saying at some point God's going to bring you back. At one point he buys a piece of property right before they go into bondage and buries the deed into the ground because he says God will bring me back to this place and give the same land back to me. I just love that. Sometimes God's provision, he makes something come out of nowhere, but sometimes his provision is giving something back to you that you thought was lost forever. Maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's an opportunity, maybe it's a platform that you thought was completely destroyed, but somehow God brought you back to the same place that you never thought you could be back to. I'm going to shamelessly insert this in here, but three times a year they were required under Jewish law to bring thank offerings to the Lord. It wasn't, well I wouldn't say they had the opportunity to bring thank offerings to the Lord. And this is, in reference, this is why we do this at the end of every year. We have our miracle offering. And this coming up on November the 12th, we've already taught a lot about that, so I don't need to do more about that. But I think we should all be praying and thinking about what we're going to be bringing to that offering on November the 12th as we just express with our hands as we give to the Lord. Grateful for the goodness that's been on our life for a whole year as we give thanks to the Lord. I know that when we were remodeling this building, I just re, I often I think about that when I'm preaching, is that somewhere right over here, when we were remodeling in COVID, I remember people were saying that we were crazy to go into a remodel when the people hadn't been in the building for a year, at six, point, six months at that point, and so, but it was going to be a total of a year. And I, I remember, man, we only had half of the resources available when we started. It was going to be about 800000 We only had 400000 But we were well into it. This floor had been flattened. The, the roof had been lifted up. And I remember coming in here some nights on Sundays and Wednesdays. There's nobody in the room. I would plug in a little light that the construction worker had I'd put around some of these beans. And all we had was one light in here. And I'd sit here and read my Bible. But there were many nights when I would walk through this place and my hands would be lifted up to the Lord thanking him for his provision 
I don't know how you're going to do it, Lord, but I lift my hands right now. And I just say, Lord, I thank you. And look where we're sitting now. We got chairs. We got, we've been here. Come on, thank the Lord. Put your hands together. I just love that. It's for his wisdom. It's for his provision. And most often, it's for the third reason, his presence. Listen to this verse in Second Chronicles 7, verse 3. This is the description of uh, Solomon's temple when it was dedicated. The, the, the presence of the Lord descended in a pronounced way. And it says, And all the sons of Israel, seeing the fire come down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, meaning the temple, a.k.a. we would call that a church, bowed down on the pavement with their faces to the ground, and they worshiped and gave praise. There's that word, yada. They, they, they bowed down and, and lifted their hands to the Lord, saying, truly he is good. Truly his loving kindness is, is everlasting. Let's leave that on the screen. When I, when I, when preparation, when I was reading this, the, th- the phrase that jumped out to me was, his glory was on the house. And the word glory uh, there is, is, is it's kabod. It means the weightiness of God. It, um, often the liver is referred to as the kabod because it's one of the largest inner organs in the body, the liver. And so they were looking for a word to describe the weightiness of God, the sum total of all of his divine attributes. So they chose the word kabod. It, it means his glory. You take all that God is, and if you could put it in one word, that define him, the word would be glory. It speaks to his influence, his newsworthiness, his noteworthiness, his, his movement on the behalf of his people. They saw God's glory on the house. You know the beautiful thing about God's glory is this, is that God's glory can never be diminished. You know in heaven it says this, that there is no sun needed for light because God's glory is as radiant as 10,000 suns. God's glory radiates, it permeates the atmosphere of heaven. And his glory can never, ever be diminished. But here's the opposite of that. The glory of mankind always fades. And if you don't believe that, let me just prove it to you. How many of you, come on, let's tell the truth, have ever, back in the day, you were a glorious athlete? But let, uh, let somebody challenging you later in life to a, a soccer game, a football, American football game, let them bring you back out to the basketball court. You were out there and <clears throat> you, your glory's faded, <clears throat> but you're still acting like you still got all the glory of the past. You know what we call that? That's often called a torn ACL, MCL, or Achilles popped on you. Come on, somebody, am I with you? The glory can fade. I remember watching, I was watching, you know, if you've watched the, the, the recent uh, Michael Jordan documentary that came out during, during COVID, I know many of you were, were talking to that, but it was amazing to watch, considered one of the greatest basketball players, never talk about anything that they've done in the present, but all talk about the glory of the past, because it's things that he used to do that he can no longer do to the same degree. The glory of, of, of Messi, as great as he was, and, and Ronaldo and, and Alex Morgan, as great as they are, and LeBron James, you're seeing all these great athletes, you're seeing their glory just diminish over time. Let me just say this, God's glory, it never diminishes. And watch this, 
And what he was, he still is. And what he is, he will always be. How many want his glory on the house? Come on. You with me? Amen. That's a beautiful prayer. I just prayed it uh, when I walk up. Often when I'm from there to here, I pray Moses' prayer. God, show me your glory. Let your glory, let your glory, let the newsworthiness, the noteworthy acts of God be prominent, prominent in this thing that we call Stone Creek Church. I'll lift my hands to that. Uh, yada, when you study it, it ha- it's the root word. It's the building block. It, it's, it's like a, a Lego connected to another word. It's, it's cousin word, if you will. It is the word tauda. And almost the same with a little bitty tweak. Tauda means this. It's a sacrifice of thanksgiving. It, it's a thank offering. It's a confession It's a praise that's offered in faith with the reality and belief that God can do anything despite the circumstances that I find myself in. It's a praise in in, in spite of. It's a defiant praise. Uh, Things aren't what they should be or what they could be right now, but I'm going to offer praise to God as a thank offering despite my circumstances. It's a tauda moment. I'll tell you, one of these that speak to me was Jonah. Uh, the story of Jonah, the reluctant prophet, the prophet who ignores the voice of God. What, look what it says. Um, now, now, here's what you need to know about Jonah. There's two chapters. There's four chapters total. Should have only been two. Jonah hears from God. Jonah obeys God. But how many know when you disobey God, you often add extra chapters to your life? How many of you got a few extra chapters? Just tell the truth. Shame the devil. But I just love this. Jonah... Uh, the first chapter, first two chapters, everything that describes Jonah is down. And God says, go to Nineveh, that's in the north, and it says he went down to Tarshish in the south. He gets on a boat, and it says he went down below the deck. And when a storm came, they realized uh, somebody has sinned against their God, and he says, it's me, so they throw him down into the water. And while he's in the water, you just think it couldn't get any worse. It says a great fish came, swallowed him up. And now he's down at the bottom of the sea in the belly of a big old fish. Everything was down, 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 down. Jonah chapter 2, in the belly of that big old fish, 9 and 10, here's what it says. Jonah has a, a realization. I don't like being down. He says, but I will sacrifice to thee. With the voice of thanksgiving, and the word there is toda, I will offer something up to you, a sacrifice right here in the middle of the belly of a big old fish. He said, that which I have vowed I will pay, salvation is from the Lord. And then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah, here it is, key words, circle it, underline it, vomited Jonah up. Onto the dry land. Now, I love this because the only time things started going up for him is when when he was really down in a bad situation. He had a total moment. I'm going to sacrifice and give the voice of thanksgiving to you in the belly of a big old fish. And you may be like Jonah. You may feel like everything's been down, 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 down. But maybe today's a turning point for you. 
you can lift your voice and your hands to the Lord in a sacrifice of thanksgiving and watch God begin to bring you up, 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 up. Listen to what it says in Psalms 116. He said, to thee I shall offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving, Tauda, and call upon the name of the Lord. I love this because he marries here the sacrifice, the, the, the unideal circumstances, I'll give thee a sacrifice of thanksgiving. And then he says, and then simultaneously, I will call upon the name of the Lord. Prayer and praise. Let me give to you the first time in scripture where Tauda appears. It's Exodus chapter 17 and worship team, if you want to come as we get ready to close. Exodus 17, I preached on this in the beginning of the year. It's the story of Moses, their first battle after they've been delivered from Egypt was with the Amalekites. And God gives him a, a, a weird strategy. He said, you go up onto the mountain and lift your hands and praise to me in prayer. Aaron and her underneath. And it says, um, for, and then jo- Josh, or Joshua will fight into the valley. And then it says, whenever his hands were up, they won. And whenever they were down, they lost. And just think it's interesting that God was watching his hands. And when they went up, they won. When they went down, they lost. Listen to what it says in, in Exodus 17. It says, afterwards, Moses, he builds an altar to symbolize the moment. And he says this, and he caught it. The Lord is my banner. He said, watch this, because hands were lifted up toward the throne of the Lord. They were lifted up towards the throne of the Lord. And in the primitive root of both of these words, yada and toda, the, the primitive roots, like the, the atomic level of these words, here's what you'll find if you study it. It comes from these words that mean to throw a stone or to shoot an arrow. To throw a stone, the open hand, of, I'm going to throw a stone or I'm going to release an arrow. And I just think about that. Is that sometimes in your total moments, you have no idea what's going on. But as you offer a sacrifice of praise, you know what you're doing? In a spiritual sense, you're throwing stones at the enemy. You're shooting arrows against the enemy. You know, I just think, I just have a sense as we just think about this, that you may not feel like it, but you may need to do it today at the end of the service. I'm going to give you a moment, a totem moment, where you just declare over your situation uh, the, the divine attributes of God in an act of praise and throw some stones and maybe shoot some arrows. Amen? Amen.